We are continuing this morning looking at Mark in reverse, and we've already looked at chapter 16 through 9, which focus on what Jesus has come to do. And then Jim, two weeks ago, pivoted for us as we look at chapters 8 through 1, which talk about who Jesus is. Jim preached on chapter 8, where Jesus, we learn through Peter's confession, that he is the Messiah. But he's not like an ordinary Messiah. Jesus is a suffering Messiah. He has come to suffer and die and then be raised so that we might have faith in him. Last week, Harrison preached on the feeding of the 4,000, and we saw that Jesus has a compassionate heart, and he has hands that provide for us. Now, this morning, we're looking at Mark 7, where we learn two things about Jesus. First, Jesus is the law restorer. And then secondly, Jesus is the heart cleaner. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful this morning for the privilege of being able to come and worship together. We're grateful that you speak to us through this ancient text. Lord, would your word have its way in our hearts and our minds and transform us? Give us ears to hear. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your phones, I encourage you to pull them out as we walk through this passage. Or if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn to Mark chapter 7. And the first thing that we want to look at is that Jesus is the law restorer. Now, one of my least favorite things in the world to do is to go to the dentist. And for my routine checkups. And part of that, I have to admit and confess, when I was seven years old, I had 21 cavities. Can you believe that? Yes, I was traumatized. Um, But ever since then, uh, every six months I go, and one of the things that I cannot stand is when you go to the dental hygienist, she takes out this scraper, and she starts scraping the plaque off of your teeth. And the goal is to restore your teeth, make them beautiful, white, and shiny, all that. But it is painful. Even when I think about it, I think it just makes me cringe. But it's a necessary thing. Well, in the first 13 verses of our passage this morning, Mark tells us that Jesus is the great hygienist that scrapes off the plaque of men's traditions from the law so that the beauty and the purpose of the commandments of God might be restored and embraced. Now, the the scene begins in verses 1 through 5. The Pharisees and the scribes, they've come and they're asking Jesus why his disciples are not walking according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. Now, to understand their question, it's important to define the tradition of the elders. Later, Jesus refers to them as the tradition of men. Now, after God gave the Israelites commandments, uh, such as we're called to rest on the Sabbath, the people, they were naturally curious, what does that mean? What do the commandments mean? And how do we obey them? And so the Pharisees and the scribes, out of an effort to care for the people, they developed a list of rules and regulations 
concerning, for example, resting on the Sabbath. Now, all of this started off very innocently, but unfortunately, over time, the list of rules and regulations, which were orally passed down and now are contained in the Talmud, these lists became equal in authority and equally binding on the people. And in some instances, as Jesus mentions later in our text, the tradition of the elders actually contradicts the original word of God. So in our passage this morning in verse 5, the Pharisees and scribes, they're upset because some of Jesus' disciples are not following the tradition of the elders concerning washing of hands. Now in the Old Testament, the priest they were required, before they made an offering, to wash their hands. And this was symbolic of, of cleansing because God is holy, man is sinful, and therefore they needed to wash their hands before they did sacrifices. But what Mark tells us in this parenthetical statement, look at verses 3 and 4. And what he says is that Pharisees and scribes, they went far beyond the original commandment to say that all the Jews must wash their hands properly before they eat. And when they come to the marketplace, they should not eat unless they have washed. Mark goes on to say, And there were many other traditions they were to observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Now, while, like an OCD person like me, I love all of that, you know, all this washing and cleaning, Jesus takes out his sharp instrument and he begins to scrape away the tradition of the elders so as to restore the beauty and the purpose of his Father's holy word. Look at verse 6. Jesus begins with a direct jab at the Pharisees and scribes. He says, well... Did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? Jesus calls them hypocrites. And then Jesus goes on to quote directly from Isaiah 29. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus, he's saying to the Pharisees, you use your man-made rules and regulations as a mean to try and manipulate God, to try and control God, to get him to bless you and to answer your prayers and so that you will feel righteous. The purpose of the Bible is to draw our hearts to worship God. The purpose of the Bible is so that we might know our Heavenly Father more deeply. The purpose of the Bible is this great story, and we find out how our stories fit in with his story so that together we might bring shalom. We obey God's word not to gain his righteousness, for righteousness comes through faith. We obey God's word, as Tim Keller states, because this is how you can become God's treasure. This is how you can treasure God, and God can treasure you. This is how we can have an intimate relationship with the Lord. You have to obey God's will if we're going to have this incredible intimate relationship 
that God wants with you. God's word will lead us to deeper intimacy with him. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does... He prospers. Jesus himself sets his heart on the commandment of God. As you read through the Gospels, Jesus, his most repeated statement is, it is written. While he was in the desert facing Satan, Jesus responded to Satan's temptation saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he often quoted from God's word. And even in his most darkest hour when he was hanging on the cross, what does he do when he cries out? He cries out from Psalm 22 saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus loved the commandments of God. And even... Throughout his ministry, he quoted from them. Because he understood that the purpose of God's word is to draw us into an intimate relationship with him. But Jesus says to the Pharisees in verse 8, You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. And then he goes on in verses 9 through 13. He says, let me give you a real concrete example. Jesus points out this thing about a Corban. Now, in the Bible, a Corban is an offering made to God. And what happened was the Pharisees and scribes, they found a loophole with this Corban. And they decided if if you had a piece of land, you could dedicate that land to God as a Corban. And then if a family member, if a mother or a father, if they were hurting or in need and they came to you, you could say to them, I don't have anything to give you because I've dedicated this land as Corbin to God. Now Jesus says, by doing this, you are directly contradicting the fifth commandment that says to honor your father and mother. By complying with the tradition of the elders, you've actually made void the word of God. And if the Pharisees didn't understand this example, in verse 13, he says, And in many such things you do, meaning this, you do this again and again and again and again. Your traditions contradict, usurp, God's word. And just as a dental hygienist scrapes the plaque from our teeth to restore our teeth to their original beauty, Jesus is restoring the commandments of God so that we might see 
how beautiful they are. And the purpose of them drawing our hearts to him. And so I wonder this morning, how have we, like the Pharisees and scribes, added our own traditions to the Word of God? What man-made lists do we have that we need to scrape from the Bible? The don'ts, don't drink alcohol, don't watch rated R movies, don't go to certain clubs, don't wear certain clothes. The do's, have quiet time every day, hold fast to the Westminster Confession, maintain certain worship liturgies, listen only to Christian music, watch only Christian movies. Have these do's and don'ts been elevated so much so that they're equal in authority in our minds and our hearts? to God's Word? Are we willing to brush aside our own extra-biblical traditions and recommit ourselves anew to the Word of God? Are we willing to adjust to the Bible's authority, grasp its purpose, so that we might fall in love with Jesus Christ? Keller says, when Jesus said, it is written, it didn't matter what the experts said. It didn't matter what the culture said. It didn't matter what the tradition said. It didn't matter what your heart said. God's word is the ultimate authority. It is the perfect rule for our lives. It is what God has given us to know him more intimately and to transform our hearts. And so when Jesus says it is written, He is saying, it is settled. So the first thing we see in our text this morning is that Jesus is the great law restorer. The second thing we see in our text this morning is that Jesus is the heart cleaner. Just as Jesus showed the Pharisees and scribes how their traditions defiled the word of God, In our second section this morning, Jesus teaches us what defiles us and how he is the only one who can clean us. Now, in the ancient Near East, the common thinking was what was on the outside is what defiled a person. So the things the person ate or drank, exposed their minds and hearts to They are what made that person unclean. And there's certainly a similarity in our evangelical church today. When I was uh, in the youth group, I remember the the statement, garbage in, garbage out. There's a, a thinking that things we take in are what defile us. But Jesus, in verses 14 through 16 disagrees with the leaders of his days about the source of uncleanness. Look at verses 14 through 16. Jesus called the people to him, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Jesus says it's not outside in, It's inside out. Now, 
This is confusing, and it certainly was confusing to the disciples. And so when the disciples had Jesus alone, they asked for clarification. And so Jesus says, okay, take two, verses 18 through 19. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not in his heart, but his stomach, and then is expelled? Jesus says, don't you see that nothing that enters from the outside can make a person unclean? For it, goes in, it doesn't go into their heart, it goes into their stomach, and then it goes out through their bowels. What Jesus is saying here is so simple that it's so easy for us to miss. What's wrong with you and me? What's really wrong with the world? Why is Putin doing such horrific, evil things? It's not because of what he drank or ate this morning. It's not based on what we've watched on television or video game. Though they might stir up things inside of us. The source of our uncleanness is our heart. It is the self-centeredness of a human heart. It is the heart that every human being, this side of heaven, is born with. Paul says we're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Therefore, we inherited Adam and Eve's propensity to sin. Their heart that was prone to selfishness, pride, and wandering away from God. In verses 21 and 23, Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they are what defile a person. Now, as you hear this about... It's not outside in, it's inside out. What makes us unclean is our heart. You're probably thinking like me, okay, Todd, well, pornography is evil. And surely if I watch pornography, that's what defiles me. Now, the truth is pornography is evil. But I've met with sex addicts over the last 18 years in counseling. And the one thing that I always say to them is you can stop looking at porn But that's not going to transform you or heal you. That's just going to put you up on the operating table. And then God can do the true healing work as he begins to deal with your wounds, your pain, and your self-centered heart. For healing and transformation to happen, our hearts need to change. Please hear me. It's important for all of us to abstain from external evil things. But abstaining from all of those things is not going to cleanse us. It's not going to heal us. While coming to church more, getting involved in the community group, going to counseling are good things, these things in and of themselves are insufficient. So this begs the question, what will cleanse us? 
Now, Jesus offers a huge clue in verse 19b. Mark offers, Mark says to us that Jesus declared all foods clean. You're thinking, well, that's a great hint. What in the world, right? What does he mean here? Now, for the Jews, the path to cleansing was to follow the ceremonial laws. But Jesus says, I have now made these foods clean. Now, Jesus is not saying that the ceremonial laws were bad or wrong, as we just discussed. Jesus loves God's word, including the ceremonial laws contained in it. But by declaring all these foods clean, Mark is saying that the clean laws to get you to move towards spiritual purification, they have been fulfilled. Jesus has fulfilled these laws. And so, how how can Jesus say this? We need to look at Zechariah 3. In Zechariah 3, Zechariah, he has a vision. And in that vision, he sees Joshua on the Day of Atonement. And Joshua is going to enter the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice on our behalf. Now, when a priest went into the Holy of Holies, they not only had to wash their hands, they had to bathe, they had to wear clean clothes. But in this vision in Zechariah 3, Zechariah sees Joshua going into the Holy of Holies, and his robe is covered in excrement. And Zechariah is shocked. How can this be? And I believe the answer is because God was giving Zechariah a glimpse of how he sees us in spite of all our efforts to be good, moral, pure, and even to cleanse ourselves. In the sight of God, he sees our hearts, and our hearts are full of filth. There's absolutely nothing we can do in and of ourselves to cleanse ourselves of our self-centered heart. And Zechariah, he began to understand through this vision that no matter what we do, we are unfit to be in the presence of God. But this isn't the end of the story. As you read on in Zechariah 3, God says in verse 4, Remove the filthy garments from Joshua. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. And I will clothe you with clean vestments. And then in Zechariah, verses 8 through 10, I will bring my servant, the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. And that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his knight to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Instead of striking Joshua dead, God says, I will take away your sin. I am going to cleanse you. I am going to clothe you with righteousness that's not yours. I'm not going to just do it for you. I'm going to do it for all people. 
God is saying, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, and he will come. And he will be covered in excrement. And he will suffer and die and hang on a cross. And on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. And all of us who profess faith in him, we can be cleansed. We no longer have to be under the dominion of sin. We will be giving a new nature, a new nature that will want to obey God, that will want to read his word, that will want to love him, and will be given a new status as God's beloved son and daughter. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is the gospel message. How are we cleansed? Not by outside in, but by inside out. We are cleansed by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are cleansed as he imputes his righteousness on us. We are cleansed as he sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. We are cleansed as he offers us a new status as his beloved sons and daughters. Paul says in Ephesians, it is by grace we have been saved through faith, not by works, so that none of us may boast. Jesus is the great heart cleanser. And one of my favorite plays is Les Mis. And one of my favorite scenes in Les Mis is Jean Valjean. He's been taken in by the priest. And in the middle of the night, he goes down and he steals all the silver. And he goes out and the police, they capture Jean Valjean. They bring him back to the priest. And the priest looks at Jean Valjean with a sense of disdain. And yet, a sense of mercy and love come over the priest. And the police ask him, has this man stolen your silver? And the priest says, no, no, no. I gave him all of that silver. In fact, Jean Valjean, you forgot these candlesticks. Let me put them in your bag. And the police said, great. And they left. And this is what the priest said to Jean Valjean. My brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts and the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. We are saved by grace. The only way our hearts can be cleansed is if we profess faith in Christ and we receive him. And if we receive him, we're given a new nature and a new status. Jesus is the cleaner of our hearts and our souls. I wonder this morning, do you know this Jesus? Have you received his cleansing? Are you still trying to clean yourself? Though you've professed faith in him, you're still trying by your works or by your deeds or by not doing certain things, adding to the word of God. Are you still doing those things to try to cleanse yourself? In our text this morning, Jesus is saying, you don't have to do that. I am the one who will cleanse your dirty 
heart. I'm 55. I've been going to the dentist since I was four. The dentist actually lived right next door to me, which was a little bit of a terror, um, because he would actually put me in his car and say we're going for a ride, and then we'd end up at the dentist. Uh, And I don't like going to the dental hygienist, even though she is a godly woman, and I love her dearly, but I still get nervous when she pulls out that scraper and starts scraping at my teeth. But when it's done, my teeth feel clean, they're a little bit whiter, they're restored. We have a Savior who scrapes off the traditions of men, the tradition of elders, our traditions, and purifies his word. And who is calling us to come back and to hold these truths, to meditate them on them. Because as we do, if we want to grow in our intimacy in 2022, we need to pour ourselves into this word and shake off all the traditions and just focus on God's truth. And we also have a Savior who took on the excrement of the world and he hung on a cross and he died and he's been raised from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of God. And he's saying to us this morning, The only way you and I can be clean is if we receive him, if we profess faith in him. And the only way our neighbors can be clean is if we share the good news of the gospel with them and then God comes in and captures their heart. The only hope for Putin is that God captures his heart. That is the only thing that will change him. Sanctions won't change him. Bombs won't change him. Nothing will change him other than God. And so we, as Marianne said, we can pray. We can rise up and we can pray that God will change his heart. And not only his heart, but the hearts of evil men and women around the world. Because I believe it's God's desire. We, we learn it from Genesis to Revelation, to bring about shalom. And we get to be a part of that, those of us who've let him cleanse us, who've let him love us. I can't think of anyone in the world that is more important for us to be in a relationship with this morning. And so my hope is that you'll fall deeper in love with his word and that you'll fall deeper in love with him. Amen.